The pots for the 2014 World Cup are set, and it's not looking good for the United States. This is the SBI Show. I am Garrett Cleverly. In Kansas City is Ivis Galarsep. What's up, man? Nothing much, man. I'm, I'm already out here in KC, where it is already freezing, and uh, we're getting ready for MLS Cup. It's a few days away, and the folks haven't started rolling in from across the country. I think most people start arriving on Thursday, but... Uh, mm-hmm. The festivities will begin shortly, and we'll have ourselves a pretty good final. I'm excited, man. I head out tomorrow morning, so I will be landing about 1.30 uh, local time, Ivis, and then you and I will have to meet up, do our show out there, and uh, I'm looking forward to it, man. It's going to be a fun MLS Cup with Real Salt Lake at Sporting Kansas City. It, it, it should be. Uh, have you figured out what RSL jersey you're going to wear for the game? Uh, you... <laughs> no, I have not yet. No, no. Except I do have this huge um, Arsene Wenger type looking coat you know but the problem is it has the rsl crest on it so i can't wear that so like i'm gonna freeze out there i am not looking forward to this why don't you just why don't you just find something to tape onto it or, or like cover it up with like find a, like get a button and just put it right above the rsl crest i could probably do that maybe yeah but that would look that would look trashy though i'm gonna i'm gonna be trying to go for like you know arizona chic when i'm out there you know like bolo it's ties tough. cowboy it's boots you know how it is Arizona chic and 10 degree weather does not mix. Oh my God. I'm going to die. Yeah. I was, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, Ivis, enough about the weather because I'll be complaining about it the whole entire week to you uh, whenever I can. Uh, as we mentioned, the World Cup pots have been announced. As you said, it's not looking good for the U.S. In general, it's not looking good for every anyone. It's going to be a very difficult World Cup. We could see multiple groups of death. However, Ivis, there is a silver lining. There is a small chance the U.S. could get a favorable draw. But I think people hoping that I think you should check that hope at the door. Right. I mean, it's not impossible, but the the odds are definitely against the U.S. getting a, a favorable draw. I think the odds are against anyone in that in that group three uh, or, you know, a team like Mexico. I mean, Mexico could get a really tough draw, too. Obviously, there's worst case scenarios. Uh, I mean, one scenario that, that we could see hopefully and no one sees could we could see a, a group that includes USA mm-hmm. or Mac, or USA or Mexico, Brazil, the Netherlands and Italy. All four teams. I mean, it's just it's just amazing. And, but again, it's a testament to how tough the, the overall field is. You really had the the world's best teams qualify for the most part. Uh, there's a few weak links in the in the whole overall group, obviously. But unfortunately for the U.S., some of those weak links are in their same pot, so they won't get to see those teams. But um, you know, having said all that, there is a long shot, an outside chance. They could draw a pretty good, you know, a good, a favorable group. Which, you know, obviously, if you can get a, a Switzerland mm-hmm. out of Pot One or, or Greece or an Ecuador or an Algeria, basically, what you want is if you can get it, you want a group where there's one powerhouse if you're lucky, uh, and then two other teams that are closer, to, you know, closer to beatable. And and I think it can happen. It's just the odds are against the U.S. They're going to have to get pretty lucky on Friday. Yeah, in, in the draw that they got and. Uh... South Africa was actually a pretty nice one. I mean, you had a depleted England side, Algeria, and Slovenia in there. I mean, that was a very nice one for the U.S. I mean, this is going to be difficult. We could see the draw, a type of draw that the U.S. men's national team had in Germany for the World Cup out there. That was very difficult with uh, Italy, Czechoslovakia, and Ghana in that one. I mean, very difficult for the U.S., but yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, if they get Switzerland, Algeria, and uh, Greece, I mean, that would be ideal right there, but I I just don't see that happening. Well, what I'd say is, I mean, pots um, groups don't always play out the way people expect, and sometimes a group that seems easy ends up being tougher than than anyone thinks, and sometimes a group that uh, a group that people think is going to be really tough ends up working out in in the team's favor. Uh, I can recall the 2002 World Cup. I know some people with you know try to try a little revisionist history on that and say that was an easy group, but going into that World Cup. I don't. I don't know who who was saying that was necessarily an easy group because Portugal had their golden generation. Poland had just gone unbeaten in their qualifying campaign, and then you had the host nation in South Korea. So, at the, on the on the face of that, going into that tournament, that was a pretty tough draw, and the U.S. was able to advance out of that, get all the way to the quarterfinals. So, I, I know I've I've gone on this kind of rant before, and I'll say it again when it comes to the whole group of death idea and whether the U.S. is going to face that or not. I just feel like I just get a sense that maybe some people aren't giving the U.S. a lot of credit right now. And mm-hmm. the fact is that this team, when it's fully put together, when it at full strength, this is kid could be arguably the best U.S. team 
uh, that it's ever that the U.S. has ever had. The deepest team, certainly, that the U.S. has ever had. So instead of thinking of it in the sense of fearing potential opponents, uh, people should see these potential groups of death as opportunities for this really up-and-coming U.S. team to, sh- to prove itself, to show itself, to impress on the world stage. And, and as much as I, I'm sure everyone hopes that you get a favorable draw and you get a Switzerland or you get a Greece or Algeria or even an Ecuador um, – if there is a tough group, if it is, you know, a group with like, say, Germany, Ghana and Portugal, which is, again, is another possible group. You know what? Let this U.S. team match up against those two countries and give them a chance to knock some big, big teams off and, and maybe even exact revenge against a team like Ghana. So I, I think folks should stop being afraid of the draw and start thinking of it as, as a great challenge for a team that's got some talent. This U.S. team, when it's put together, and I think that's the problem. This U.S. team hasn't been at full strength in a while now. There's been a lot of games since we've seen the true full strength U.S. team. In the summer, I think we got to see it. But uh, I'll tell you what, I like the U.S. team's chances if everyone's healthy. Come come the World Cup, I think this U.S. team is going to do well. Yeah, and, you're, and there's no guarantee just because you're, quote-unquote, one of the powerhouses. Look at the 2010 World Cup. Italy lost in the group stage. France also lost, lost in the group stage. And groups that they probably should have won outright. It's, you're right. It's the World Cup. Anything could happen. I, I think for the U.S., though, especially if you're a U.S. fan, I mean, you you have to hope that you're not going to get one of the South American teams, one of the more powerful teams. Because, I mean, you have to assume that all those teams, especially Brazil, are going to show well in the World Cup, but I'm excited, man, and it's going to be a great opportunity for the U.S., and that's the one thing that I like that Jurgen's already planning uh, that you see this now is, I mean, the U.S. is going to start putting together a lot of strong friendlies to test this team, so going into the World Cup, Ivis, you're exactly right. I mean, this is going to be a strong U.S. team, and I mean, you want them to go against the best, and if they can knock out the best in their group stage, I mean, you have to be feeling really good in the knockout rounds. Exactly. That's the thing. You know, I mean, you're at the World Cup, you're going to face good teams and just deal with it. And, and I just I think there's a little bit too much tiptoeing going on, too much uh, fear mongering about, oh, my God, what could it be? And, yeah, obviously there's a worst case scenario uh, for any of those teams in pot three where they could face three really strong world powers. And I think, for the you know, you hope for the for the World Cup that the groups are pretty balanced. That's kind of the best you could hope for. But because you don't really want a four t- you know, you don't want a group with the U.S. or Mexico and three other powerhouses because that, I mean, you're going to end up having two good teams out in the, in the, in the first round. And, and then I think if you have a group like that, then that increases the chances you could have a weak group where there's two or three uh, not, not, you know, recognized powers be in the same group. So, you know, the best I think overall, if you're just a general soccer fan, not, not rooting for your country, but just thinking about it from a broad standpoint, you want to see eight balanced groups. And, and you know what? You're probably going to have at least two tough teams in each group. And just as a reminder to everybody, obviously the draw is on Friday. We'll find out who the U.S. faces on Friday morning. And uh, be sure to follow all the action on SBI as well as Goal.com. We'll have uh, extensive coverage off on both those sites. Uh, I'll be doing quite a bit of, uh, of work on Goal.com on, on that day. We'll, you know, I'll be running a lot of chat, Q&A. We'll be, also be doing a Google Hangout. Uh, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hitting every possible form of media imaginable on Friday talking about this World Cup draw. So uh, it's gonna be an exciting day uh, around the world because I think everyone. I mean, I I don't think the U.S.'s uh, fans are the only ones nervous and worried and excited about about that draw. This is where the USA the USA faces challenges and, and deals with them. And and, you, and if if the U.S. crashes out, then then that that team wasn't wasn't good enough regardless. So. You, you, you want to see what happens. But, I, I, again, I'll say this. I mean, I, I still remember the, the, the draw that the U-20s had. And, and you want to talk about a group, group of death. They ended up playing a inner group that had three teams that were arguably three of the top four teams in the entire World Cup, the under-20 World Cup. Uh, they ended up playing a team that won it all and a team that finished third. So hopefully the, the, hopefully the full senior team doesn't end up with a draw like that, um, uh, you know. At this point, for me, and I'll tell you what, I feel like it's going to be a favorable draw. Don't ask me why. I feel like I feel like they're going to get Switzerland, and then who knows what happens with the rest. But I think they're going. To, I, I just don't ask me why. I feel like they're going to get Switzerland. Well, as Gordon Bombay once said, Ivis, we're Team USA, and we're going all the way. Speaking of USA, guys lining up to go to Brazil. Josie Altador on Wednesday, Ivis scored his first. Premier League goal this season, first Premier League goal, think about this, since 2010 when he was a member of Hull City. Very opportunistic on a garbage free kick taken by Sunderland. Josie Otter whips around, knocks in it with his left foot. Ivis, this is 
wonderful for Josie Altador to finally find the back of the net in a league competition. Right. I mean, obviously, Sunderland still lost. But I think, uh, you know, on, on multiple levels, I think it was a good day because for Sunderland, they played well. Uh, they they had some, they showed some quality. They they showed some promise, which is all you can kind of hope for for a team that's kind of wallowing right now at the bottom of the Premier League. For Josie Altidore, though, that is such a big goal because, I mean, you know, when you have that zero, it, it just weighs on you with each match. And, and uh, there were already questions, you know, after the last match when he didn't even get off the bench, didn't play a minute. And there were some real questions about where he stood, what his status was with Gus Poyet and and Sunderland. But for him to get the start and for him to score the opening goal and what eventually was a four three loss, I mean that's a major step for him. And and that's how and the way it goes with forwards is you know when you get that first one, it takes a lot of pressure off. And then you know what when. When you're playing with less pressure, you can be more relaxed, and then the other goals come. And, and he's been through that in his career uh, in the past as well. I mean, obviously, before he went to, to the Netherlands, he struggled at Hull City. Uh, and then once he got going and gained the confidence at Azed, you know, he really just, just crushed it. So, you know, I mean, that's not to say that this one goal is going to suddenly spark him into a 20-goal score in the Premier League, but it's a first step. It's a good first step, and, and you'd like to hope that, you know, Gus Poyet saw something, saw some qualities in, in Josie Altidore to keep him in his lineup. And staying in England, Ivis Tim Howard had a magnificent game for Everton today. They defeated Manchester United at, at in uh, Old Trafford. I think it was the first time in like 20 years. They also got the best of their former manager. And the first meetup, David Moyes between these. But Tim Howard, though, Ivis, huge game for Everton, playing really well for them this season. I mean, they're within striking distance of the top four in the Premier League table right now. That's a major win for Roberto Martinez and Everton, and Tim Howard. I mean that that's got to be that's got to feel really good uh, for for a player who played at Manchester United, who's probably run out of Manchester United a little quickly. Obviously, it's a different. You know, it, it might have been a little bittersweet because it happened against David Moyes, someone who he respects uh, greatly and admires, and is you know a real close confidant of Tim Howard. But still, to go into Old Trafford to get the shutout, record six saves. And just continue this impressive, impressive run of form that he's been on. Uh, it's big. It's big. And Everton is, you know, they're showing a lot of quality. And, and, and you know, in the past, they, the first half of the season hasn't always been the better part for them. They, they've been a team that's done better in the second half. But you really have to start to wonder just how far this team can go with Martinez as the manager and with Howard playing the way he's playing yeah. with and with Romelo Lukaku scoring the way he's scoring and now you have Gerard Delafeu the, the the former Barcelona winger starting to to, to you know grow in, into a role there so they're they're an up and coming team and and I know I know some people thought when David Moyes left that Everton might fall off but they, I, you know I said it at the time when they hired him I thought Roberto Martinez giving him a team with some more money to spend some better quality to work with I thought he'd do well as a manager and he's he's doing really well right now you got you you got to say he's one of the, been one of the best Best uh, one of the real surprises of the season. Oh, and Tim Howard is doing magnificent for them. I've just made eight clean sheets on the season for them. Everton only one loss in fourteen Premier League matches, only conceding thirteen goals. I mean, it's it's amazing just how good of a season they're having with with Roberto Martinez. It's it's wonderful. And for Tim Howard, I mean, this is exactly what you want for the U.S. men's national team starting goalkeeper. You want him in his best form heading into twenty fourteen. And you, like you said, you want to hope that this is going to continue for the next five months going into Brazil. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the thing, right? I mean, I re- I, it's funny because I still remember back in the spring, some people wanting to throw dirt on Tim Howard already. Like, oh, he's it's maybe he's lost it. Maybe it's time to look at Brad Guzan. He, he's not a starter anymore, blah, blah, blah. I, I think, you know, people were definitely unfair. Uh, you know, not to say he didn't have some hiccups and he didn't have some ups and downs, but, I mean, He's been such a quality keeper for so long that, you know, you, you got to give the guy the benefit of the doubt. And, and he's really come through that and really, you could argue now, is playing some of the best soccer of his career. And, and as a U.S. fan, you have to be excited about that because if you have yourselves a top keeper, I mean, that go, that can get you so far, and especially in tournament play. Uh, you know, you can ride a player like that into the group stage, in, into the knockout rounds, and, and he's playing really well right now. Play, some of the best soccer I've ever seen him play. Yeah, and you know, it's also really nice to have those arguments, whether or not, because Brad Guzan's also having a very good season for Aston Villa, too. Yeah, right. No, I mean, no, no knock against Guzan. Guzan's really come along. He's really shown that he's a quality option for, for Jurgen Klinsmann. Uh, but it's Tim Howard's job. He's still the guy. Um, you know, he's still the leader of that team. And uh, he, he's going to be the guy in Brazil, knock on wood. If he's healthy, he's going to be the starter. But you know what? If, as a U.S. fan, you have to feel pretty good knowing 
that Brad Guzan is there as a backup and he can give you quality as well. And down in France, one of Josie's teammates, Alejandro Bedoya, had a goal. He did exactly what Jurgen wants for the U.S. men's national team. Started off on the right wing, cut in, finished with his left far post. Very beautiful, Ivis, and that is what Jurgen wants to see doing it. Everyone watch the video. If you can see his goal for not, uh, it's very nice to see him getting back uh, back in the scores tally, Ivis. Right. I mean, he. we know he can score goals. We know he has that quality. He hasn't shown it with the national team yet, but you know, I, I think he is a player who's improving, who's gaining confidence. And I, for me, he's going to be in in South Africa. The question's going to be in South Africa. Sorry, Brazil. There you uh, go. I just, had, I just I just went <laughs> back four years in time. I don't know what year it is, but uh, he's a player who will be in Brazil for for my money. And and he's someone that if he can pick up that attacking part of his game, um, he can end up being a starter. You know, it's obviously going to be a tough competition with the likes of Landon Donovan, uh, Graham Zussi, Fabian Johnson, Clint Dempsey, you know, Aaron Johansson as well. A lot of guys who could potentially play wide uh, in in the various systems Klinsman tries. But I, I tell you what, Bedoya, you know, he's more than just a hustler. He's more than someone who gives you work rate. He does give you those things as a starting point. But as he gains confidence on the attacking front, I mean, I think he's only going to see his, his star rise with the national team. All right, that's enough international talk. We do enough U.S. men's national team talk Ivis, especially next year as the show will continue we need to turn our attention back over to america and the mls cup final which will be on saturday you're in kansas city right now lots of things going on right now how are the festivities so far well i'll tell you what wednesday is pretty quiet here uh, it is freezing i'll tell you that much um i think most a lot of people will start rolling in on thursday and definitely friday ahead of the big match on saturday um you, you can definitely already see signs that the lead, that, that the finals here uh, with the different advertising, you know, as soon as you get in the airport, you already see it. So I think that, you know, the whole fact that the home team is in the final is going to help us build up some buzz leading up to the game. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great game. And obviously, MLS Cup week, MLS Cup weekend is always a always a good time. You have, you, have, uh, you know, people from all over the league, from all the different teams, all the officials, coaches, GMs. Uh, you know, all converging on one place. And you have fans from across the country as well. Uh, it's not just uh, fans of teams that are in the final. Uh, I think you've actually had quite a few fans who've kind of made it a tradition to come to the MLS Cup final. And, and I think it's it's a cool thing to do. You know, I, th- I think if you can pull it off, uh, as a, if you're, you know, consider yourself a, a hardcore MLS fan and you also want to experience some different things, uh, why not make it make it kind of a tradition, kind of like you know, you know, some people who like trying to go to the Super Bowl or or, or the finals in other sports. You know, I think you know there's usually enough going on to make it worthwhile. Uh, and I think this weekend's uh, not going to be any different. I think you, you're already going to have your festivities. Going to be a ton of parties on Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll be at a few of them, and uh, it's, it should be a good time. Oh, do we have passes already? I'm working on it. We'll, I think we'll be all right. I think we'll, uh, you know, SBI. We, we get the SBI international credit card. We'll be good to go. Really? No, no, not really. Oh. But, no, we'll, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get where we need to get. But yeah. uh, still working on the meet and greet. Uh, I, I should be able to finalize the location. Some on Thursday, uh, and hopefully you know put the word out on Twitter. So definitely uh, Twitter, Facebook, uh, Instagram. Keep an eye out. Uh, I'm looking at Friday between five and seven, uh, hoping to have a get together. Uh, you know, I don't know who's going to be around. I don't know who's going to want to brave the ten degree weather. It's probably going to be on Friday. But if you're around, if you're downtown by the Power and Light District, and you want to uh, you know meet up, say hi. Meet Garrett and I. We'll, we'll be there. We're, we're going to hopefully be able to record a show uh, while we're there. Uh, so it should be good. It should be good, a good chance to <laughs> meet, meet, meet some listeners and uh, meet some readers. Uh, be, hopefully it'll be a good time. Expose everyone to the Matrix-looking setup that we use to record this show. <laughs> oh, that's – well, yeah, yeah, exactly. Get a peek behind the curtain. But, uh, no, it should be good. And for those of you who, da- who hadn't heard yet, uh, the the guy, the folks over at Bumpy Pitch have finally announced their, their party plans and – uh, you know, Friday night from ten to one thirty, that, that they'll be hosting a party that, you know, I think is going to be one thirty, one thirty a.m. ten to one thirty. I mean, I don't know why it's one thirty. It's huh. probably, it'll probably go after that, but it may, who knows? Maybe they'll have some kind of drink special until one thirty. Yeah, it's a, it's such a random time. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. There, there, there must be. Do some the bars room. close in? Do they close in Kansas no, City early? No, no, they they don't. They definitely don't. Oh, because <laughs> in, in Arizona they close at two. Yeah, no, it's last, last call here is two thirty. I was just, I, oh. I'm pretty sure, it's, I'm pretty sure last call here is two two thirty. I was just, I was just here two weeks ago, and uh, I felt like, I felt like, I felt like the drinking went on pretty late. So uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't think, I don't think it's early last call here. <laughs> 
Uh, well, that's good. Yeah, man. It's it's uh, yeah, man. It's like as we said in the VH show, it's it's gonna right, be right. fun. We, well, we'll we'll have enough to gush about when we do our show well, in Kansas but just, City. Well, before I forget, okay, the party, the, the it's actually uh, the original winger and EA Sports are are, are co-hosting. Uh, it's at the Guild uh, in Kansas City, sixteen twenty one Locust Street. Uh, it'll be on Friday night, uh, ten p.m. to one thirty a.m. I will be there. Garrett will be there. The SBI crew, we will all be there, rolling deep. Uh, looking at star fights. No, just kidding. Uh, we'll, we'll be hanging out. Uh, hopefully having a good time. So if you're around, you, you, that's going to be the party you want to go go to. So uh, uh, bumpy pitch parties, original winger parties, always a good time. So uh, be sure, make sure to get, make sure you're there. Dude, I'll let you East Coast guys get into fights, man. I don't know what it is about you guys. I, no, I, I, it's I, always I, with the East Coast people, man. You always just want to throw down. Like, why, why can't you just go out and go? I've seen. Chill? Hey, listen, I've seen, I've seen some some fight videos from out west, buddy. So don't. Even, uh, I don't know how many LA post club fight videos that I've seen on TMZ and and YouTube and the like. TMZ. So oh man, Ivis. Don't, 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 don't try to say it. Do you want me to delete this out of the show that you dropped TMZ on the show? Come on. Hey, listen, oh. everyone watches TMZ. Don't even try No, they don't. Like, I don't. It's a guilty pleasure, remember? Oh, man. I, you know what? I have other guilty pleasures, but we don't need to go into those. I just... Delete. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we're keeping this. Um, as you mentioned... We don't uh, delete curses. Why would we delete them? Yeah, Yeah, if you listen to the Thanksgiving <laughs> show at the very end of the show, there's a little surprise. Um <laughs> For us yeah, to keep I, it I, I made Garrett watch his mouth out. As you said, I, was through, I mean, there's, there's tons of news going on right now. I mean, you said today, uh, on Wednesday, was a little bit of a slower day. But on Tuesday, I was, big news came out. Don Garber had his State of the League address, and he talked about a wide range of things. The biggest thing he did mention was the MLS expansion. Every, you know, the biggest topic that everyone wants to hear and uh, I mean, when they flashed that map, Ivis, it created a ton of buzz. And I mean, the scramble was, was pretty quick afterwards, as far as people, you know, pinpointing Miami and Atlanta as the next two big cities. Well, it wasn't people; it was Garber that did it. I mean, his his initial comments were uh, pretty much saying Atlanta and and, Orlando, and Miami are, are the the next two teams. You know, he, he kind of pretty put pretty much put it out there that they were in pole position. And then when I followed up with him and asked him to just kind of clarify in that, then he kind of backtracked. And he's like, wait, actually, no, it's not close. And not at all. It's not even close. So it, it was kind of funny to see him backtrack the way he did. But I think it's pretty, I mean, it's common knowledge. I think we all know if Miami and, and Atlanta get their stuff in order, they're going to be the next two teams. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a no brainer, right? Just based on the plan that they have in place and wanting to, to really go after the Southeast with, with a, a group of teams that can help kind of fill that area that, that MLS hasn't had a presence in before. I mean, I think we all know that's what's going to happen. So, you know, as long as Beckham can. Beckham and, and LeBron and whoever is in the group now, or that the prospective ownership group, mm-hmm. if they can find the right stadium uh, set up in, in agreement that, that they're going to assure the league that there's going to be a stadium there for in a few years, that they'll get it done. That's going Miami's going to happen. I, I don't I don't have much doubt about that at all. Atlanta, I think, is another one. I think you know I'm putting all my money on those two teams. It's going to happen. Uh, there could be delays, no no doubt about it. Um, when you're talking about you know government and and politics and trying to you know, get stadiums built. There's always this possibility for issues like that. But I think at the end of the day, those are going to be the next two teams. Yeah. And it also helps the people involved in Miami and Atlanta have a lot of money, which money talks in MLS. I also thought it was hilarious when Don Garber kept saying that, Oh yeah, if we want a team in Miami, we want a team. In-. I mean, of course you do. David Beckham's a part of it. I mean, duh, that's a no brainer. Uh, the other thing that was interesting about the map though, Ivis was that, they had Minneapolis, St. Louis, and San Antonio also on the list. Because if you uh, subtract, let's just say, for example, you give Miami Atlanta the next two spots, there's only one spot left. And those three cities, I mean, the, the MLS identifying those three cities as the last team to expand by the end of the decade. I mean, it's not many team, not many cities left on that list. Well, I mean, uh, to be fair, I think I think some people made way too much of about that graphic. I mean, it was just a graphic, right? I mean, they put the teams that were there. They put the teams that are existing, the teams that are probably coming, and then they threw a few other markets out there. I mean, I don't think anyone should take that to mean, oh, these are the finalists. If you were, if you didn't make the map, you're done. Like, don't even bother. I think that's a stretch, right? I mean, I don't. I mean, let's face it. You know, three years ago, who had Orlando City even in the conversation? So, you, you can't really, you know, go by that. I mean, I think if anything, those are markets that have been talked about. 
uh, in the past. I mean, hey, you know, Don Garber dropped Austin, Texas. And when's the last time anyone had heard him talk about Austin, Texas? And I think that turned a lot of heads, um, you know, because that's that's a market that for me, I've always seen it as being kind of an underrated soccer market. Uh, you know, I've, I think I've mentioned it before that among among cities that don't have MLS teams, Austin has been has has had some of the, the the strongest readership on SBI in the entire country. I mean, there, there's some markets, there's some other markets like San Diego, Minneapolis, but Austin is is traditionally been one of the big hotbeds for for readership for our site, and that tells me, you know what, there's a lot of American soccer fans there. So uh, it's interesting. It, it, I don't think anyone should make too much of the map, um, but it but it is going to be a tough race to see who grabs that 24th spot, and I think it's really wide open. It could be San Antonio. Uh, Minneapolis, St. Louis, obviously, I think, you know, they're still in that same situation where it's a great city with great history, but they don't have that big money owner, that billionaire with a B that's going to be the deep pocketed guy that that makes MLS feel comfortable about putting a team there. So until they get sorted out, uh, Seattle's not quite a favorite, but uh, that's still a few years off. I mean, just looking at the timetable when they say 24 teams by 2020, mm-hmm. um, just thinking about it from that standpoint, if 2020 is the target for the 24th team, you're probably not going to get a final decision until maybe 2016, 2017. So there's still a few years to go. And then there's also the possibility of a team moving as well. I mean, <clears throat> she was going to say, so you don't know, right? I mean, you don't Oh, exclusive on the SBI show. Ivis Galarsep reporting she was USA moving. Now you're being reckless. <laughs> ah, there it is. So, but somebody will totally take that, loop it, and and put it somewhere. I, I know it. they will. That's why I gave it the breaking there, news sound. There, there, there's a lot of interesting uh, websites slash Twitter handles out there claiming to report news these days that just leave me scratching my head. But anyway, I digress. Uh, yeah, so expansion, you know, Atlanta, Miami, I think you can put the money on them. 24th team, it's anybody's guess. It, it really is. I think you could see a Texas team because a third Texas team I think would be good to kind of have that little triangle there and go along with Dallas and Houston. And you could also see possibly a city on the West Coast pop up. I mean, Sacramento, I mean, look, that, that, yes, I, I understand it's a stretch, mm-hmm. but they, they have yeah. mentioned it. You could see <clears throat> Phoenix maybe. Uh, so you never, yeah. know, you never know what could happen, Ivis. Listen, the only MLS is only going to Phoenix for preseason, my man. It's yeah, not I'm fully, I, I know I'm fully it's aware of this. A, you will, you will, you you will be gray and and have a cane by the time uh, MLS is in in Phoenix. Really? No, that's like you, that's like eighty happen. years from now. Eighty really? years. Come on, the least. way you're living, the way your your fast life. You, what you, fast you, life do I have? <laughs> you're gonna be. Struggling. I'm recording the SBI show at one forty three in on. sweats. You burn the candle at both ends, my friend. You're going to be old. You're going to age great. I not can't, so dude. I, I was, I'm getting old, man. It takes me like a full day to recover from drinking. Like, <laughs> seriously. I mean, it must take making, you like making, two days. You're, ma- you're making my case for me. No, but right. dude, how many days does it take you? Like, I, I can't, I'm not 18. I can't pop out of bed anymore. Well, that sounds like, other, that sounds like another problem. <laughs> oh, my God. You're so <laughs> stupid. <laughs> So but anyway, you're so like, stupid. I, I can handle mine when it comes to you know recovering the next. All time. right, all right, all right, all right. This this conversation totally turned garbage. All right, move, moving over. <laughs> Ivis. It started when you other things that Don Garber talked about the winter schedule change. He said it is not happening. I agree with him. Keep the MLS schedule the way it is. Yeah, I mean, oh yeah. I ask anyone who wants the schedule to be changed to come hang out in in Kansas City this weekend and wear shorts and t-shirts and just chill, just chill out. You'll be all right. You'll be fine. You won't die of hypothermia. But listen, it, obviously the league looked into it. The league was seriously interested in in exploring the possibility, and they just couldn't make it work. And if they could make it work, we would have seen a change. That much I think is pretty clear, but the, I'm pretty sure the more they looked at it, it just really didn't make sense from a variety of standpoints. You know, when, when you talk about giving up, you know, June and July, uh as a time of year where you have a team and and, tr- and changing that for uh, January and February, it wasn't a trade off that the league wanted to make. And and obviously, what you know, we- not only not just weather wise, but also, you know, what you're competing against. You know, when you're playing in January and February, you're competing against the NFL playoffs. In uh, June, July, what are you competing against? Baseball, right? So, I mean, I, I think from that standpoint, you understand why the league wants to keep stay where it is and uh, maybe revisit it down the road. Maybe when it gets to a point where there are enough southern-based, warm-weather-based teams in the league that you could kind of get away with 
with a schedule change, maybe you could think about it. But I think the league looked at that as well, and they still couldn't make it work. Actually, I just realized putting teams in the South, they're going to be competing against NASCAR in the summer. Um, yeah, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> you got me. I don't have the. I don't have the NASCAR. <laughs> no, no, I, I don't think people watch. Watch there'll be one person. There's not, a, there's not a big. There's not. There's. I, there's not. I can't imagine there's a big. There's huge overlap among. No. Uh, but but the one thing the but the one thing I do like about I like about the MLS first off like you said I mean you'd have to have about a eight to ten week break in the winter I mean that that's that's way too long and, and secondly for, for for the guys who are playing in, in Major League Soccer it gives them the opportunity to go to Europe in January and February before the season starts and we've seen that work out well for a lot of guys and I kind of like how it's working for a lot of guys I mean we saw that with Breck Shea going over training with Arsenal coming back and then moving back over to England granted the move hasn't worked out but. I kind of like how MLS has this option availability for players to move over to Europe for about two months before they come over and back to Major League Soccer. I, I like the schedule, man. For people who want it to change, it, just, it would be way too difficult, I think. Just way, way, way too difficult. Yeah, I mean, I just think people who try to pigeonhole, pigeonhole the league and 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 say it's so easy to, to just, why why can't you have it like England? Why can't you have it like Europe? It's that you just not you're just not dealing with the same issues that you're dealing with in the U.S. with, with a country the size of the U.S. and with the different weather that you have to deal with here. You know, I was talking to somebody recently about England, and, and and they mentioned, you know, is this is England is England this cold? And it's like even England when England's cold, it's cold, but it's not anywhere near the the kind of cold you get in the U.S. in certain cases. I mean, Kansas City. I mean, I think it was 11 degrees. Uh, you know, the night of the Eastern Conference Final. Uh, just brutally, brutally cold. It's it's going to be pretty cold Friday night here as well. Um, so just imagine, you know, playing in a Montreal or a Vancouver or a Chicago. I mean, I still remember back in 2000, uh, and this was, I think it might have even been October in Chicago, and it just being bitterly cold. I can't even imagine Chicago in January and, and February trying to play soccer. That's just crazy. So, you know what? I just don't think it's going to work out. I just don't think the schedule is going to ever get changed. And uh, I'm sorry, you going to say, Avis? No, no, I'm good. No, what are you gonna say? What or what? I, I, I didn't want. I didn't want to interrupt you right there. No, I was just gonna say it's not gonna get changed anytime soon, right? I mean, maybe like you know what? If you get down to down the road and there's 28 teams and and you have and then you have you know some more southern based teams or or more Cali teams where you can kind of get away with it and 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 play more games in those markets during a January February, then maybe you could kind of make it work. But I just I don't think it's gonna happen anytime soon. We're talking. T- you know, ten years from now. Maybe. That's what they should do. They should drop teams in San Diego, Phoenix, El Paso, <laughs> New Orleans. You, you, the, oh, you could Phoenix. put one in like, uh, like you know, Athens, Georgia. That we could have two teams in Georgia right there. With what, one was Atlanta. The team, what was the team in Arizona that just folded? It has yet to fold, Ivis. Oh, I'm sorry, I haven't been up on my the head. only two USL pro teams to fold are VSI Tampa Bay and Antigua. Those, those. They what folded. was the team that almost folded? Uh, Phoenix FC. Phoenix FC. The Wolves, Woo, you know, whatever wolf sound or whatever. I don't know what wolf sounds like. Yeah, so I think it, 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 let, let, let them figure out how to handle a USL pro team, and then maybe they can talk about MLS. <laughs> I guess we can't even figure out how to tire shoelaces in this state. Um, the last, the other one of the big topics Garber talks that's about. Why, that's why everyone flip, That's why everyone wears flip flops, right? <laughs> that's okay. I got a, I got a story for you about flip flops. Oh, for the first job I ever got, one of the first jobs I ever got fired from. So I got hired by Major League Baseball when I was 20 years old and they flew me out to San Diego and I learned pretty much this whole automated system on how to run the game on 2d, like a game cast type of situation, you know, watching it on your computer, just on 2d. So then they flew me out to San Diego. I went through this whole training. It worked out well, came back to Arizona and I went to my first work, like, you know, first day of work. Right. And I wore, I think like a shirt, cargo shorts and sandals. Right. Cause like we're in the back room. I figured, I mean, what does it matter what we're wearing? I got fired the next day with a really mean email from the guy telling me that you know they want to let me go. So then I took offense to it. And I emailed the guy back, and I and you know this is me at twenty years old. I was like, I don't know. If, I was like, the guy Sandy's in. I was like, Sandy on the West Coast, sandals are allowed in public places and places of work, and maybe that's just the East Coast BS. Blah blah blah. And I never got a response from him. So <laughs> well, yeah. yeah, you handled that well. <laughs> yeah, that was Garrett. That was Garrett Clever at twenty. 
You told him. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, what, the, the final big thing um, that you and I identified that Garber talked about was the transparency. And this is always going to be a big topic with Major League Soccer, especially when you look at the league. I mean, the league's 16, 17 years old. At this point, it, it, it's just... It just it you know just got off its driver's permit. It's driving for the first time by itself. I mean the MLS is going to have to make up rules as they go. But Garber said though, Ivis, that they're going to try to be more clear and not have any type of Clint Dempsey situations from the summer. Right. I mean, I think there's clearly there are clearly situations where the league could be more uh, forthcoming with information. I mean, it's there's so many cases, so many examples. Um, and is that does that mean everything's going to come out? No. Is everything going to be put out in, in the public light? I, I don't think we're going to get that extreme either. But I think there's a lot of little situations, whether you're talking allocation money and how much is involved in trades or, or you know, things like that. I mean, or at the, what the actual salary cap is, the, the situation is for certain teams or for all teams. I mean, that kind of stuff, it should be it should be a matter of public record. Um, but, you know, as you say, you know, the, the league makes a lot of rules, uh, changes a lot of rules on the fly to adjust and, and to help the league, you know, kind of move along. Um, so for that standpoint, it's tough to kind of get any, you know, to get anyone to really understand what the rules are when they're changing. You know, I mean, uh, one example I'll give you is the homegrown player situation where, I mean, I can tell you Jose Villarreal, um, when he was ready to sign for the Los Angeles Galaxy, the uh, one hurdle or one issue was the fact that he didn't have the the necessary amount of training time with the Galaxy to qualify under the league's official guidelines for a homegrown player. So they were in a bit of a situation because here they are, here MLS is, with a, a standout, standout young talent like Villarreal, a player who's getting attention from Europe and a player the league absolutely wants to have. So they made the decision, they made an executive decision as a league that they were going to figure out a way to make it happen, to make it work. And what they ended up doing was they adjusted the rules. They let they let the Galaxy sign Villarreal, but the, the, but the stipulation was that Villarreal was going to have to spend time with training with their academy and, 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 and fulfill his obligation before he could play with the first team. Um, and that was kind of the, you know, what they came up with as, as, an, as an approach to handle that situation. Uh, and that's what they did. And now Villarreal is an LA Galaxy player. He's an MLS. He was, you know, obviously a standout for the U-20s. He's a future star. So from that standpoint, you know, I know some people will look at that and say, oh, there they are. There's the league again, favoring the Galaxy, making up rules for the Galaxy. But you know what? You can understand the league's case on that where, hey, the league has to worry about the league as a whole. And it's, if the league's better off having a player like Villarreal in the league, you can understand why they have, want to have to adjust rules to make it happen. So you're still going to have situations like that. Um, and I know, look, when you have a case like that, you're going to have fans from 18 other teams and 18, 19, 20 other teams, however many are in the league, that are going to complain, just like you had with Clint Dempsey. When Clint Dempsey signed with Seattle, everybody outside of Seattle was like, what the hell? Like the $9 million transfer MLS is helping pay for? What is this about? So, you know what? You're always going to have that. You're always going to have complaints. But I think as long as the league starts to get better about revealing you know, mm-hmm. more and more of this stuff, I think they'll face a little bit less heat. But it, that's but it's never going to change. You're never going to have everyone be happy, especially when there are rules that are kind of being adjusted and tweaked as things go along. But you know what? At least if you put more out there, uh, it, it won't feel like it's complete mystery. It, it, like 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 the le- you know the league's rule book is is a, is a work of uh, of fiction, like it doesn't even exist. So. Well, in the in the league has also gone on and, and changed the academy rules even after Villarreal. I mean, so so it, it, it's a it's a process. Look. If you went back at the very beginning of Major League Baseball, of you know the NFL, the NBA, I mean, each league had its own stupid rules or, or make make it up as you go type of thing. But but you have to do that to survive. And and now look at the leagues. I mean, they're 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 models of stability. I mean, especially the NFL, they still have to make up rules as they go. I mean, it's the sport. The sport is is always. It's evolving. It's always changing. And yes, look, there will be a time, Ivis, where that book is mostly set in stone, but will change every once in a while. But it's still going to take a while to get there. But you know what? We'll look 20, 30 years from now, we'll look back and say, yes, blah, blah, blah. We had to go through all that. But hey, hope, you know, hopefully we'll say, look at what the league is at now. You know, Look what it's become because they had to get to this point. I mean, there's no perfect formula, but... I mean, for what they're doing, they, they do a pretty good job as, as they go, Ivis. Right. Well, what I think people need to remember... And it's easy to forget 
is this that the league is still a single entity format. It's still one organization, uh, a collective working together to try to basically having to compete with an, an international market, having to compete with teams and leagues around the world. And uh, as long as that's still the case, the league is going to be able to do these kind of things. And I still think we're a ways away from, from doing away with single entity. I mean, I don't know if and when that'll ever actually change, but you know, the, the way this, the league is structured now, uh, it kind of has to work that way. So, you know, I, I know it's uneasy for some people. I know, I know. When, I don't when like that, it. Well, why don't you like it though? I I think that I, I think I, I think it's at the point where teams, where, not all teams, but most teams are smart enough and know what they're doing. And if a team wants to sell a player, I, I just don't like MLS butting in. I I just want well, teams just, to operate you, you by themselves. You said it yourself. You just said it yourself. Most. Yeah, yeah most. I, well, I know. I know. Until, until you have a situation where more and more teams, it's a. I mean, as it, as it is right now, I mean, I, I don't, how many of the teams in this league have? Uh, competent personnel people that could actually handle uh, uh, working outside of a single entity format. I mean, I, th- I still think that's a ways away. Um, it's not ideal. Single entity is not ideal. It's not, it's not something that it, it, it takes place in any other league in, in, in the country right now in any other sport. Um, but it's how the, it's how MLS started out. It's how it had to deal with competing on an international front. And, uh, you know, I, I think it, it, when you look at the way the league's grown, it's grown, uh, you know, gradually, but it has grown. Uh, you know, I think it's worked out well. So I'm not saying you, you want to have single entity forever. You definitely don't. Like, you want to get to a point where, you know, whether you have, if you have 24 teams, you want to have 24 strong uh, teams that, that, that can kind of handle things on their own and work on their own. And I just don't think we're there yet. You know, how, how long will it take? That's a good question. But I just, you know, no one likes single entity. But I mean, I think the, the point is you, you, you want to understand it and understand why. MLS still needs it. Yeah, and then we can finally have the discussion when they break the single entity of the promotion and relegation, Ivis. Oh, boy. <laughs> yes, I know, I know. See, that's yeah. That, it, it, here's my thing, right? I, I, You know what? If the day comes that we can actually have promotion and relegation, I think it will be great. I th- absolutely think it could be great. But we're just so far away from that. Uh, now, when I say so far away, you know, I used to always say, oh, we're like 20, 25 years away from single entity. Maybe we're more like 10 years away. But we're still several years away. Yes, not not anytime soon. No, they, there would have to be a second league. That like, look, it, it have to, it would have to be like an AFL versus NFL or an ABA versus NBA type of situation where the other That's league ex- is right. rivaling in terms of money and, and players. I mean, the NASL is nowhere even near. Even if you combine NASL and USL back together, they would be still they're still light years behind MLS right now. You know what? In that, but you know what? NASL is is, is you're growing. getting there. Yes, you're right. They're, they're growing. You got the Cosmos now. The Cosmos are doing well. Uh, and they're only going to get better. Uh, you, you're ha- you have new ownership groups coming in. Uh, Indy, Indy, I can tell you right now, they're, they're an aggressive group. They have a strong ownership uh, group backing them, and they're they're going to make some power moves as well. So I think NASL is going to be interesting to watch that league grow and that league uh, compete with MLS because you know they they don't have these constraints of single entity and salary cap, and you know they can do what they want. If the Cosmos want, if the Cosmos want to spend twenty million dollars on a player, they can do it. Uh, if they, if they want to do it, so uh, you know, I think that's that's going to be one that bears watching because you want to see how MLS deals with that and deals with what at at, at a certain point is going to be real competition. And I really see NASL and the, I really see the NASL uh, doing that down the road as it, you know gradually because I mean that, for me the Cosmos are already going to start doing that because they're going to they're going to start spending some real money. Um, you know, they, I think they did really well in their first year. Obviously, Marco Senna getting him to come here, and he obviously was a great player for them. They're going to go get some more recognizable players and spend money and, and, and keep it rolling. So, But you need more than one team. So I think as the NSL grows, give them five, five to ten years, and, and, and MLS is definitely going to start feeling the heat a little bit. Yeah. Hey, that's competition is a good thing, Ivis. Uh, Garber talked about uh, a few other things. If you want to see what he said, check out the website, soccerbyivis.net. There's a few articles up about everything Garber talked about after he was done. The MLS Best 11 was announced. I have some new players on it. We saw uh, six new players on it. Uh, five guys, they're either repeating or, or coming back for a couple seasons. But we saw Donovan Ricketts, which clearly meant he was going to end up being goalkeeper of the year. But when you looked at the list... Not, only, necess- not necessarily. Well, okay, true. But when you looked at the list for the Best 11, though, uh, did anything stand out to you? Or do you think everything was well-deserved for everyone? 
Well, I mean, look, there's no bums on the best 11, right? But, I mean, I, you know, if you want to say, is there anyone who was a little surprising to me? I got to say Omar Gonzalez was surprising to me. I think that that was a reputation pick. I think, you know, people most most people regard him when he's on his game as the best defender in the league. And I think, you know, I don't think you can argue that. But when you want to talk about this year, it, was he one of the best defenders in the league? No. For my money, he wasn't. He, he, had, he had a lot of struggles in league play. You know, if you want to go ahead and combine his national team play with his MLS play, sure. His 2013 was pretty good. But in terms of what he actually contributed for the Galaxy in MLS play, he was not a best 11 defender. I mean, I think there were other guys. Thomas Olave did really, really well for the Red Bulls. I thought he was someone who deserved consideration. You know, as Chris Clute, uh, the left back for Colorado. Mm-hmm. I mean, there were no fullbacks on the best 11. I thought Chris Clute was, was more than worthy uh, of a best 11 nod. But again, you want to talk about... The voting for this comes down, you know, it breaks down between players, uh, front office, and and media. And a lot of times, I, I got to say, players vote on based on reputation, like you know that, you know, guys that they've seen and then they're more familiar with. So it's it's a lot of times it's tough for a new player to come in. And obviously, you know, you had you had some new players that that you know broke through that. Valeri, Jose Gonzalez. I mean, th- those are two guys who I think they showed quality right from the door from first game. I mean, Valeri I mean, scores a beautiful goal his first game. So, I mean, I think if you if you can come in that strong, I think you can overcome the the the, the handicap of not being a, not being around in the league. But for me, Omar Gonzalez, I, I I thought that was the one that really left me scratching my head. Graham Zusi, I don't want to. I don't, I don't think it was really a surprise. I mean, you, you know, you, if you're going with a four four two format. You know, you could you know you could make the argument that Javier Morales over Zusi. I mean, I, I know some people will definitely make that that argument. And, uh, you know, for me, you know, Zusi when he's on his game is so good. Uh, I think that one's deserving. But all the rest I thought were pretty fair. Ricketts over Ramondo was a bit of a it's a coin toss. You really you can't go wrong either way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, but I would argue that I, I think I think Ricketts wows people with. This year, I think he wowed people with his highlight highlight reel stops. But mm-hmm. I mean, if you watch him day and if you watch him game in and game out, and you watch Romano game in and game out, I really think Romano does such an excellent job uh, of, of positioning him, of reading a game, positioning where he doesn't have to make so many outrageous saves. I mean, I think that that could, you know you could you could argue that that you know Ricketts makes a lot of these amazing saves because his positioning is not so great. So I mean, from that's the but when people see those highlights. That's what sticks out of people's minds. So not to take away anything from him, he still had a great year. But I, for me, I would have gone Nick Romano. Okay, okay, okay. Well, you're mentioning Donovan Ricketts right there being included in this best eleven. He was also named as the goalkeeper of the year. See, for me, I thought he was goalkeeper of the year. I thought that for the last couple months. I mean, yes, you're right about Romano. But my one thing with Romano is his life is so easy when you have Tony Beltran. Nat Borchers, and Chris Winger back there. I mean, if you look who Donovan Ricketts had back for his back line, you had a couple injuries. You had a couple guys that were underperforming throughout the entire season. You had multiple. I mean, think about think about the beginning of the season for the Portland Timbers. Yes, does Donovan Ricketts make the more wild saves? He, he, he does. But I, for me, I thought his task throughout the season, he had his career best. All of his numbers were career bests for him. I, for me, it, I, I thought well, he was here, the here, easy choice as the goalkeeper. Here's why I disagree year. with you because, all right, you want to say Portland had a had a weaker defense, but when you want to talk about uh, the eleven, the full eleven, the lineup that plays on the field for Portland, Portland dominates possession in games. Portland keeps the ball, keeps the ball away from opposing attacks. So while Ricketts, yes, he has to make a lot of saves, but he, in the grand scheme of things, he's not facing a ton of pressure. Uh, he's not getting bombarded on a regular basis. Don't 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 get it twisted that way. I mean, Portland, they, they're a strong team for a reason, right? I mean, because they they play their team defense is great. And you mentioned RSL, their defense. Yes, they have some good guys in their defense, but they also had Carl Salcedo, a teenager, having to play, having to start for them. For he a, did a, pretty good for them this year, though. Did he? Though? Yeah, I mean, but it, yeah, yeah, but he no, wasn't. No, yeah, but it wasn't as it wasn't as he, bad he, though. No, but he struggled. They, they they had a lot of different guys have to play next to Nat Borchers. They had a lot of. You know, Lavelle Palmer had to play his good share of games. Mansali had to play a good share of games. They had they, they had injuries. They had a lot of different issues there at RSL. So I, I, it was not. Don't, don't try to paint that picture that that back line was like this amazing. <laughs> In the back, and Nick Romando had a lawn chair in goal, and he didn't have to face a lot of saves like that. No, no, no okay, he, okay, but but he but, didn't have the number of big highlight reel saves that Ricketts has. And if anything, I mean, if if we saw him play for Jamaica in, in March, and he and when he stoned uh, Mexico and was just you know stood on his head, I mean, I think that was kind of a you know 
a precursor. Like if you saw that, you're like, wow, he he looks really good. This Ricketts guy is going to have himself a year. So you know what? It's a toss up. You go either way. I, I I think he they both earned it. I don't have a problem with Ricketts winning it at all. Not at all. Oh well, do you have? Uh, I, I'm sure you have no problem with Diego Valeri winning newcomer of the year then. Well, I picked it before the year, so I, I have no. I definitely don't. Have a problem. <laughs> I pick, I picked Valeri as newcomer of the year, so he wins. So that you know, I'll, I'll put that. I'll pat myself on the back for that one. But he was outstanding, and and he got even better as the year went on. And he over he overcame a double sports hernia that it, it, this was kept under wraps for a couple of months in, in Portland. He was playing with, with basically a double sports hernia. Uh, and there were times when you didn't know if he'd have to have surgery or if he'd end up having to miss the year. He battled through it. He he managed it, and he actually got better. He actually he was scoring goals. Like his, the, his last two months, he he was just outstanding. So, I mean, talk about a dream signing for them. And it's funny because if, if you remember last last spring, last winter, all the talk about mixed discrude. And when it didn't work out, and Portland wasn't able to get discrude, a lot of people were upset. But then they went and got Valeri, and, and and I said at the time, I said, you know, people are upset about m- missing out of this group, but Valeri's a better player. Valeri's a beast, right? And this is his first year, and he, I mean, it, you just want to, you just can't imagine how he's going to be next year, especially if Portland succeeds in going and getting a high-profile forward, which I know they're on the market for. Well, Portland followed the routine, Ivis. If you look at it, the newcomer of the year has been won three years in a row now by an Argentinian. So, I mean, clearly you have to go get an Argentinian footballer, I mean, if you want to win Newcomer of the Year. Uh, who, who are those three guys? Mario Rosales in 2011, Higuain 2012, and now this year with Valeri, 2013. It's a pretty good run. That pretty is a very good run. Good run. That, that is the key right there. See, like, they can, that's the trend. Every, all MLS teams are heading to Argentina as we speak. <laughs> yeah, uh, yes, they uh, they are. You know what, Garrett? I gotta say, uh, it's pretty up? funny. Now that I think about our 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 whole little debate here over Romando Ricketts, who would have pe- who would have thought that you'd be the guy arguing for the Portland Timbers guy, and I'd be the guy arguing for the Real Salt Lake guy? I know. I think that, dude, pe- people, everyone thought I was crazy when I kept saying, "Dude, I I, I guess I expect Rom- look." I guess this shows I that I'm not an RSL fan. So boom, there it is. No, you're an employee. There's a difference. Hopefully, hopefully the front office doesn't listen so, to the show. So, get fired. So that's the question I have. Mm, what is it? Are you? Are do you? Are, will you sit on the bench for the MLS Cup final? No. I'm, why, I, I, how would I even be able to get on the bench? <laughs> I'm kidding. <man. laughs> now you're wondering. Now you're going to start making some phone calls. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to think. I could I get on the bench? I'm trying to think right now. You could be in the the in Garth Lagerie's technical box. Maybe. Look I, into that. I should look into that. No, Ivis, I want to hang out with you. No, you do that on Friday, and then game day. Yeah, but I want to hang out with you during the through. game, though. Oh, you want to see how the magic happens? Yeah, I want to. I want to hear all the hilarious jokes all of you guys tell each other in the press box yeah. during the games. Uh I don't know if that's. I don't know if it's going to be that kind of party, to be honest with you, because oh. I think I tell you right now, the Sporting Kansas City press box is pretty small. Um, well, the in, indoor area is. Yeah, where, wait. Where am I sitting? You. Uh, oh, I don't know. God. I don't know. I don't know if you have a seat to be honest, which might actually work in your favor because you might be better off watching the game inside than having to sit outside because it's going to be cold. It's going to be like ten degrees. Do you need a photographer? I'll, I'll take pictures for you. I'll go on the field. <laughs> you issue by halftime because it'll be still cold. No. Well, I'm. I my roommate. He's from Idaho, and he gave me this huge jacket. He's like. He was like, girl, just wear a lot. I can't do his accent. That's horrible. <laughs> it's, I can't. What is he, Austrian? What no, that's that? horrible. Hold on. Let me, let me think. It was like, uh, I, I don't know. He has like a kind of a country accent. I don't know. But anyways, he told me to wear lots of layers. So I'm going to wear probably like five sweaters at a time. That's going to be funny. Look, I'm going to take it. I'm, I'm going to Instagram a picture of that. Yeah, you're going to have to. <laughs> well, Garrett, all you got to do is wear like five sweaters and some boots. And you'll, be all right. you'll be good. No, it's, it's not It's not that. So, I mean, I, I can't, usually I'm pretty good at it. All right, all right. We'll try next time. I know. We'll work on, we, when, we, when we have our accents episode. Yeah, what were we supposed to have one where people are supposed to ask us to, you know, imitate, you know, guys different, different in conversations? Players. Yeah, you know. We could, we could do that. We'll work on that. We'll work on that for the next show. Yeah, we, we are going to have to work on that. You know, we could do like an exchange between like, you know, Terry Henry and like – Clint Dempsey. Like, that could be a good one. I'm not having a go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> that's, what's, that's what's up. <laughs> that was pretty good. That was my Clint Dempsey talking to Terry Henry. Yeah. That... <laughs> there you go. 
All right, man. Uh, it's it's a little late, Ivis. I think we I think we discussed everything before we wrap up the show, huh? Yeah, I think this is one of the, one of the longest shows we've ever had. No, 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 no. Well, one of the longest in in recent memory. There you go. Since we stopped doing our hour long. A lot of a lot of people will say they want a longer show, so we'll see. Do they? Yeah, I hear a lot. Mm. We'll see how long the show is on Friday because we you know we got to we got to figure out the logistics of of that and if there's going to be an area we can do the show and actually have have the kind of you know the sound work out in our favor for that. It might, it might be, it might be, it might be ambitious to think we can actually pull off a show in like an open air, like a, you know, a bar type place. No, it would be good. It would be like, you know, like when Howard Stern goes to Vegas, that type of thing. That's how, that's how I was yeah. imagining our SBI <laughs> if we, party. If, if we, if we had Garrett Stern, uh, we had Howard Stern's equipment, I think it'd be. Good. No, no, no. That seriously, that, that's how I imagined the SBI party was going to go. Right. Like you and I were going to be up there and, you know, Papa Bowie would have been there and uh, you know, Robin would have been there. I mean, you know, Artie would have been there. It would have been so much fun. But then you canceled the party. So I mean, we it keep, wouldn't. We... It would not have been that kind of party. It would have been a real like bottles and 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 music and dancing. It would have been a. It would have been a real deal party. Like what? Like a club? Oh God. Where, where's this party on Friday? Is it a club or is it a bar? Is it like a brewery? Wait, what? What are you talking about? On is Friday night, I'm concerned uh, about this bumpy pitch wingers? party. Yeah, is it the uh, wait? No, 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 no. It's not. You'll be fine. You'll be fine. You can okay. wear your hipster. Your your Arizona hipster attire, you'll be good to go. Okay, good. Your bow tie and your boots. Bow tie? No, it's a bolo tie. Bolo. Oh. It's like that weird string thing. I've I've never worn one before. Actually, I don't even know what cowboy boots either. Did you have to have like a curly mustache to wear that? Uh, yeah, kind of. I mean, some people out here do. I mean, Arizona's also a right to bear arms state. So I mean, every once in a while, you see some guy like in like a grocery store who like dresses like a cowboy with like a gun on his side. It's yeah, Arizona's weird, man. You have a gun? Do I have a gun? Yes. No, I don't have a gun. Okay, I was, I was worried about. I, was, I thought you were packing. No, pff, dude, I live in a high rise. I live above that. Those those people down below that carry guns and do bad oh, stuff. Oh, there he is. Now we all know. Yeah. Garrett, the elitist. Yeah, there it is. Well, I mean, if you haven't even figured it out by now, then you don't listen to the show enough. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm from the I'm from the hood. Garrett's uh, key, Garrett keeps it gated. In the cul-de-sac. I grew up with a, uh, yeah. No, no, we did not have a gated. No, we did not have a, uh, I did not grow up in a gated neighborhood. Right. But I grew up in a cul-de-sac, though, in a predominantly all-white neighborhood. <laughs> those, those are two facts. There you go. Yeah. Um, yes, Ivis. All right, man. That wraps up the show. Uh, you have a nice night. Ivis, I mean, gosh, I'm going to see you in probably like 24 hours, man. I know. We should record it. We should have video there. I think I'm going to have Franco... Uh, Franco Panizo, our our ace reporter from SBI, uh, video videotape our meet our first meeting and and put it somewhere on video, put it on YouTube maybe. Okay, do we hug? Do we shake we'll, hands? We'll, we'll put some like romantic music on. Do we do like a bro hug? Are we gonna do like you know nah, or we'll the do, Bill we'll Clinton do, we'll, hug? We'll, what are we gonna we'll do? do? We'll do a bro hug. We'll do okay. A hug. Oh, 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 like but okay, but I, I here's the thing though, you know when you when you shake hands, like do you, do you lock? Then release, then pump. Like what? What do you? Or you just you just pound? What do you do? We'll just see. We'll just see what happens, man. We'll see. We'll see but I don't happens. want this to be awkward, though. I mean, all right, all right. We don't have to record it. Well, here's that? my that thing. I I just don't want the tabloids and the magazines to pick this up because if we're on the front page with like an awkward exchange, multiple pictures, I mean, that's not going to look good for us, man. We're in Kansas City. There's there's I think there's other stuff going on. I don't think we have to worry about the media. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in Phoenix when there's not a lot going on, we probably have to worry about that, but. No, no, you got to come to Phoenix in uh, February and March, man. That's when's a good time out here. Oh, when they have, a, you know, it's funny because I, 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 I was, I've been out there twice before for games, but I mm-hmm. was obviously before we we got it. So hopefully, Jurgen uh, puts another game out there so I can get out there. Oh, well, I think well, they just announced the uh, game in Carson uh, against Korea. That's on February first, though. Not yeah, Arizona. No. Um, I'm still looking at the MLS preseason. I, I might, I might make it out there. Yeah, but that's in Tucson. Ugh. Oh yeah, yeah. Tucson's gross, dude. <laughs> way, way to just alienate a chunk of our our listeners. I know. Well, the people down in Tucson, I, I, they, they know. I apologize to all Tucson. I don't. For, oh, please. For Gar- for Gar- sh- snobbery. N- not sure. You're in Jersey. I'm sure there's a city in Jersey that you always talk trash on. Not really. No. Stop I, I, it. I, I, I rap all Jersey. South Jersey, North Jersey. It's all Jersey. Okay, there has to be one area that you jokingly hate on. Stop it. Come on. There has to be some part. Oh, I'm not a hater, man. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. That's that's rich. 
man. That's rich. Uh, all right, Ivis. I'll let you go, man. I will see you in uh, 24 hours out in Kansas City. You have a good night, and uh, that wraps up the show, man. I'll talk to you later. Yes, sir. As always, everyone, thank you for listening to the show. If you're in Kansas City, please let Ivis and I know we would love to meet you. Thank you for listening to the SBI Show.